and welcome Hoosier fans to another special edition episode of the Assembly Call. Really excited about the show that we have planned for you today. Uh, on Monday afternoon, I had the opportunity to talk with Linnea Phillips, who is the Director of Social Media for Indiana. So she oversees everything that you see go on with the social media accounts for IU basketball, IU football, and all of the other sports, which with the way that things have changed uh, over the last few years and how important social media is, is obviously a huge, huge job. Uh, and so we spent a lot of time talking about what that job entails, how it has changed over the years, what the coming uh, you know, name image likeness legislation, certainly we hope the coming name image likeness legislation in the state of Indiana, how that's going to affect things, what that's going to look like. Uh, we talk, of course, about the great video from earlier this offseason uh, when the Indiana men's basketball Twitter account uh, clapped back at the people that were criticizing uh, the team doing yoga uh, and lots of other interesting stuff. You know what what they talk to the players about in terms of their social media use Does certain do certain things have to get approved or can the players, you know, uh, tweet out, say whatever they want, what kind of guardrails are in place? Uh, really, really fascinating conversation, you know, and it. You know, look, when we started this show 10 years ago, never did I think that we'd be talking, you know, to the social media person at IU, like that that would be a really interesting point of conversation for a show like ours. And yet it's so important now to what college athletics programs are doing that if you want to have a full 360 degree understanding of what's going on with the programs you love, you have to know all these things that are going on because it's a big differentiator from school to school. And it's something that, that kids really look at in recruiting and even just to get in the door with a recruit. The brand that your program has is so important. So anyway, we talk about all that stuff. Really interesting conversation. I think you will enjoy it. That is coming up here in just a few minutes. All I want to say before we get to that is just a quick reminder about Father's Day coming up. It is less than two weeks away now, and so I hope you have a gift for your father uh, or for the, the fathers in your life. But if you don't, or if you want to add more gifts, and hey, as a father myself, you know, why not add some more gifts? Your father probably deserves it. Uh, a couple ideas for you. <clears throat> One, of course, our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, if you didn't see over the weekend, they launched their Notre Dame <laughs> line. Uh, they already tweeted out, you know, the teaser for next week's Big New Saturday launch. It's another huge school. These guys are just killing it. Uh, and look, I would never be one to promote Notre Dame gear. Uh, but you know, I know there's a lot of fans in our audience who may not be Notre Dame fans themselves, but may have Notre Dame, uh, fans in their family. I'm actually one of them. My father-in-law is a big Notre Dame fan, so I will probably be ordering him something from home field apparel. Uh, but you should go to homefieldapparel.com and, you know, do whatever you want with the Notre Dame stuff, but go to the IU page. So much stuff. And if you haven't been there in the last few months, they've added new stuff. Uh, to the IU collection. So go to homefieldapparel.com, browse all the different schools they have. If it's your first time ordering, use the promo code assembly20 to get 20% off. I don't think it works if you've ordered before. You can certainly try it, uh, but assembly20 will definitely work uh, if you've never ordered before. It'll get you 20% off the entire order. So make sure that you go and order in time to get it for Father's Day. The other one is Playbook Products. The URL for Playbook Products is assemblycall.com slash PP. Remember that when you use that URL, we get a commission from anything you buy. So it's a good way to support the Assembly Call. Get your dad an awesome gift. Uh, and they have really cool stuff. They have these stone coasters. They're like they're cut out of stone. Um, they also come in leather. But basically what they do is they take famous plays in the history of teams and then they put the diagrams on the coasters. They also do this with coffee mugs as well. And so they have, you know, obviously for Indiana, they have four of the most famous plays in IU basketball history. They've got tons of other college teams, every professional team. They've got, you know, the famous plays that you think about, the highlights that you always see. They've got the diagrams there. So it's really cool. It's a unique gift. Doesn't cost a lot. Uh, and you know, sometimes they have deals going on. So just make sure that you look up in the, the top banner. They sometimes have deals, but use that URL assemblycall.com slash PP, go browse all the different stuff that they have there. Uh, and make sure again, that you place your order in time to get it for father's day. So homefieldapparel.com promo code assembly two zero assemblycall.com slash PP, go there, get gifts for your dad. You can't go wrong with either place. Uh, and you'll be helping out the assembly call at the same time. So we appreciate you doing that. All right. Uh, that is it. That's all the housekeeping. Without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Linnea Phillips. Here it is. 
And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this special edition episode of The Assembly Call as we continue our behind-the-scenes look at what happens with IU basketball off the court uh, and behind the scenes. A few weeks back, you may recall that we did an episode with Jeremy Gray and Andrew Brown in the wake of Indiana's hilarious clapback tweet at the silly criticism that had flooded in upon posting a video of some players doing yoga. And during that conversation, both Jeremy and Andrew kept bringing up one name which is today's guest, and I quickly realized that we needed to plan a show just with her. She is the Director of Digital and Social Media for Indiana Sports, which means that when a hilarious viral video like the Yoga Response video gets posted, she probably played a big role in it somehow. And with name, image, likeness changes coming to college sports, her role is becoming even more essential and impactful at athletic departments around the country. She is Linnea Phillips. Linnea, welcome to the Assembly Call. It's great to have you here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So what's your job like right now with so much changing? Like I, this has to be just kind of a crazy, but also exciting time period for you, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always said it's never dull, but it's exceptionally not dull right now. Um, you know, coming off of what was a wild, crazy kind of COVID year, right? Um, and now we're diving right into NIL. So um, keeping me busy, that's for sure. And I'm really excited to see Indiana take the reins and kind of be the leader in the NIL space. And and so we're we're not stopping. You know, we, we've just gotten started and we're hitting the ground running. So um, keeping it going. <laughs> so hold that thought, because I, I want to talk about that and spend some time talking about name image likeness. But I, I want to start out talking about you. How did you get into this? What's What's your background? How long have you had this role? Um, I've been in Indiana for almost five years. So okay. I've been here. I started after football season. So September, um, 2016. So, um, I've seen a lot of change in my almost five years, here yeah. in Indiana. but prior to being here, I was the social media coordinator at the university of North Carolina, um, for two years. So I worked at another basketball school. Um, and then before that I was actually an NCAA intern. So it was funny going from the NCAA to going to North Carolina. They were fighting each other in the media almost daily. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then coming to another basketball school in the state where the NCAA is located. So I keep it all relative, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And what what is it about this role, about this kind of work that interests you and that got you into it? Wow. I mean, I could I could take it a lot of different ways, but I, I really think communicating, um, I majored in communications in undergrad, um, but communicating with all different types of people, all different walks of life. You know, one of our target audiences, huge target audience, student athletes, right? Um, so that age group, we target recruits a lot of the time. So younger than even our student athletes, but also communicating with fans, alumni, you know, it's, it's really never boring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I can imagine. And especially now with, with everything that's changing, what have been the biggest changes? Like, and, and maybe we can just stick with, you know, your time at IU since you got to IU in 2016, which feels like three decades ago, like you say, 2016, it feels like it's so long ago and it's really not that long ago. But what are some of the biggest things that have changed for you and kind of how you do your work in that time? I would say at first, one of the lures, the way that they really got me interested um, into being a Hoosier was the the um, creation of the Mark Cuban Center. You know, when I yeah. started at IU, the Cuban Center wasn't even done being built. When I came in my interview, I wore a hard hat and took a tour of, you know, the construction zone of Assembly Hall. Um, and so... When I started, I was over in the north end zone, you know, kind of just chugging away, doing my work. But I feel like the real shift came when we moved into the new Cuban Center space. Um, we really, our collaboration has kind of taken new heights. You know, I work really closely with our graphic design team, our videographers, our photography team, um, the SIDs, the, the media, they're not media relations anymore, strategic communications, mm -hmm. the strategic communications staff. There, um, we share space with them, and so we're just regularly collaborating, and and that's been the real kind of 180. We went from kind of being in our own different separate spaces to really working together on a regular, consistent basis. How unique is something like the Cuban Center? I mean, obviously, like it, you know, it's it's a space number one where you can all be together. Is that something that's common, or does it tend do does the department tend to be a little bit more spread out? And then, what kind of you know, technology are you guys able to have at your disposal because you have the Cuban Center? I would say um, spaces like the Cuban Center space have become more prevalent in college athletics. I think IU was right 
on the cusp of that. And because of, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but because of the the success that people have kind of seen come out of our space, um, it's become even more kind of a goal for a lot of athletic moments to have, especially in the power five. So it's an IU probably... podcast. You can, we can pat ourselves on the back here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can be one of the first, um, but so, so, um, you know, we kind of set the bar there. So it's become more consistent across college athletics, but I think the way that we operate and the communication and collaboration that we have is unique. Um, you know, we, we've, especially this year, we've really tapped into it just because of the the necessity that's come out of the pandemic. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have content teams for every single one of our sports and we meet regularly with the coaching staffs. And, you know, if, if Steve Aird wants to do something with volleyball, I'm usually one of the first people that he calls related to social digital media. Like the coaches have my number. I'm on a lot of their speed dials. We exchange texts, you know, no matter what time of the day, we're working really closely with recruiters. You know, I talk to my video teams daily, you know, and so we just work really closely together and, and we're almost like, dare I say like a family, like we're regularly communicating, not just about work, but also just about life in general. So we're very close that way. I mean, that's what it seems like with everybody that I've talked to. It really does seem like a close knit group where everybody wants to give other people the credit, which is a sign of a great team, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like I was saying, you know, we heard that a lot when I was talking with people about the video that you guys put out, you know, I'm sure everybody remembers, you know, you guys put out the video of the guys doing yoga. Some fans had their thoughts on that. You guys put the video out, which was a hilarious response and just social media done perfectly because... It was funny, you know, but it was also direct and had a point. And I think it kind of fit with this ethos that we're seeing come out of the IU athletic department that I think stemmed from what Scott Dolson wanted, which is we're going to take control of the messaging a little bit here, you know, and start to kind of build a brand here. Uh, walk me through how something like that happens. You know, we got kind of Andrew's story of how it happens and, and Jeremy Gray's story. What was your role in it? And, and, and when things like that happen, how deep into the details do you actually get? This is a really great question. I feel like, you know, on any given project, there's a lot of people involved, but I would say um, the past couple of years since kind of taking over the voice of men's basketball and football on social, I've been a little sassier, I would say. So I'm, I'm always down for a little bit of sass, a little bit more of letting people know that actual humans like run these accounts and, you know, we read what they write and, and the good, the bad, the ugly, I'm usually the one reading most of it. So we see what they're saying, you know, we're taking it in, you know, whether it be warranted criticism or a little bit unwarranted criticism, we read pretty much everything people send us. So um, I let that be known, especially to my coworkers, like, Hey, we're, you know, did you guys see this? Like, did you read, especially when we're creating things, I, I encourage my video team, my photography team to say, or to read like what, what the vibe is, you know, if people like the video, they're going to say they like it. They don't like it. They're going to say they don't like it. So kind of having, um, our thumb on the pulse of like what, what the fans want, what the audience wants to see and what they have to say about things is really important. So I always try to bring that side to things when we're talking about creating content. Um, I'm not really sure. I think Andrew had the idea. Like we saw some of the backlash that we were getting about yoga and we were all kind of talking about it. Like yoga is a pretty normal thing for high level athletes to do in, in 2021. Like it's not, like that out of the ordinary. I thought something that was really funny that one of the comments came out was like, they thought that yoga was new to us. And like, would they been doing yoga for years? Like this is the first time we really just like captured them doing yoga. So, um, and it was probably a lot of the same people that like criticize the strength and conditioning program. If guys get hurt during the season, it's like, well, you know, (laughs) yoga is probably the best thing they could do to help prevent that. Yeah. It was was a lot of, you know, and I recognize people who, who comment on our stuff. So it was a lot of people who <laughs> said things in the past. So um, I have that kind of vibe to too. I'm like, oh, these are the regulars, you know, like they regularly are consuming our content. And I think when it is regular people, we can kind of joke with them a little bit more, you know, um, they're diehard fans. They're interested in what the program's doing. So like a joke probably wouldn't hurt their feelings so much. So um, that was kind of the, the, the part that I had in the video was like keeping my thumb on 
the pulse of, of the vibe of the fans and saying, you know, they're making fun of us. Let's, let's joke a little bit. And so um, Andrew was great. You know, while he was making the video, we were in communication talking about what's too far, what kind of pop culture clips we should include. Maybe you should block out some of the names. So it's not super aggressive and just kind of working together while he was creating the content to um, keep it lighthearted and funny. And, and, you know, the delivery, it, it blew up even more than I thought it would. Um, I know that once we were kind of done with the video, we sent it to Jeremy Gray to kind of get his approval. And I was like, you're probably not going to like this. It's probably <laughs> like, we're not going to put it out, but like, we just wanted to have some fun. And I was shocked when he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, all right, like, let's, let's be that sassy program. And so I want to say, this is not something we're going to do like constantly. Like we're not just going to like, there are some Twitter accounts the LA Kings were like notorious for it. Like that was their vibe on social media. And I don't think we're trying to be snarky or rude to our fans. We understand that they're really engaged, involved, diehard fans. And we like that. We want that. Um, but we just wanted to have some fun with them and let them know, like, we read what you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. we, we get it. <laughs> now, do you, like I said, you know, you're the director of social media. Obviously, football and men's basketball are the two biggest and most followed accounts. You know what's happened with football has been incredible. You know my my dad was a, a coach under Bill Mallory here in the '80s and '90s, which was you know one of the one of the really the only other great extended runs of success Indiana has had. And it's you know to see what Indiana has been for most of its life in terms of football, and now to see what the national brand is of Indiana football over the last couple of years, it's incredible. In large part because of what's been done with social media. Do you have your hands a little bit more on the pulse there with basketball and football? Do you take more personal control um or do you are there kind of other people that are that are managing those i would say and and i'll always say it's a team effort there's a lot of us involved but um i would say the posting that goes on on those men's basketball and football accounts usually that's me like 95 percent of the time it's me posting on those accounts so Mm -hmm. in that regard i would say yes um but i'm involved in a little bit of everything so um, generally I have a really great intern team this past year. They were amazing. They helped live tweet pretty much every single one of our, our sports here in Indiana. So shout out to the interns, yeah. um, you know, and, and with that, I'm with them every step of the way, you know, I'm, I'm at pretty much every sporting event. Um, so I was out at softball for a lot of their series. I was out, you know, with baseball, a lot of the time I've been, you know, um, this this year, unfortunately, field hockey didn't play at home, but I, you know, I go to field hockey matches. I go to pretty much everything. So um, I have my pulse on a, on a lot of the different social media um, with IU athletics, but football, and basketball. Personally, I'm the one who spends a lot of the time on those accounts. Yes. You know, something else you said was interesting is that you know you and Andrew, you did this video, you're taking it to Jeremy Gray, but you're not expecting him to approve it. Why do you think that went differently than your expectations? Like, why do you think that he did approve it? Is that because of this new directive from Scott Dolson and kind of this new plan? Is that something that two years ago you don't think would have been approved? Does it have to do with with who the coach is and what they want to do? Like, how? why do you think it's different now? I would almost say it's my own skepticism. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very, like, I don't want to say hesitant, but I'm very... um, guarded i guess in in some of the stuff that we kind of approve and pass through you know i i mentioned that i used to work at north carolina and that kind of got me started in the social space and so i worked there during their ncaa issues and yeah and so everything we posted there you know was criticized every single thing it could have been like we got straight a's this year they'd be like did you cheat like yeah. you know so <laughs> even good news even good news was criticized there and so Starting my career there really just got me put on the path of like, not everything's a go. Like you got to have some checkpoints of people to kind of say, this is the vibe. This isn't the vibe. This is going to work. This isn't going to work. And so that's why I really love our team effort here in Indiana. It's not just me coming up with some good and terrible ideas. Like we have a whole team of people kind of vetting different things, running different things. So almost everything I pitch that's edgier I think it's never gonna it's never gonna fly. So I'm a little skeptical myself, but um, I'm glad to have the support of people on our team who are like, "No, this is great. Let's do it." You know. So yeah. 
<laughs> so the breakout star, the breakout social media star of the offseason from the basketball program has clearly been Kenya Hunter. His tweets have been awesome. And they're they're sparse, but every time he sends one out, I feel like it's it's great and it's cutting and it's just like it's really, really good. Who's managing Kenya's account and helping him with that? Is Kenya coming up with that all on his own or is he getting some Kenya help? is managing Kenya's account? <laughs> so like he when you see stuff from his account, it's all him. And and I agree with you. He's been the breakout star. <laughs> like I he I didn't know he had it in him, honestly. Like I did not. You know, he was kind of quiet uh, last year. And so I'm, and not not just him, like the whole basketball staff, they've been really open and excited to kind of jump on social media, own their own brands. You know, they're all an extension of the Indiana basketball brand, but at the end of the day, they're their own people too. And we want them to kind of showcase their own personalities and, and what they bring to the program as well. So I'm excited that, that they're all jumping on the bandwagon and loving Twitter. <laughs> let me let me be delicate with how I ask this question because I don't want to get you in trouble with how you answer it. But I think it's it's important and something a lot of people are wondering. You know, there's obviously a change in the basketball program in terms of the coach. Generally speaking, we don't need to get into specifics about people, but how much of an impact does that make? Like, for example, with the football program, Tom Allen is a force of nature, you know, and he's got this personality and the Elio slogan. And I mean, he, I would imagine, is just a dream for someone in your position, because there's so many things he does and says that are so great for social media. Steve Aird probably being another one. I'm sure he comes to you with lots of ideas. You know, it's kind of his personality. Other coaches, you know, they don't have that same personality. They're a little bit more reserved. They're a little more focused on the coaching, not the social media stuff. So how big of an impact does that make having buy-in or having enthusiasm for the guy who's actually the head coach for that trickling down to the assistants, to the players, and to everybody else who's doing what you do? I think buy-in is huge. And this isn't even indicative of any state of whatever program we're talking about. Like buy-in is major, you know, that's, that's kind of one of the things that we preach um, from a student athlete level, but also like when I, when I meet with coaching staffs and talk to them about, you know, who they need to be on social media and what their platform is um, being invested and interested in the process is like the first step. So buy-in is major. I don't want to say, you know, obviously the the basketball coaching staff has gone through a couple of changes. And I don't want to say that they were any less bought in in the past. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think uh, the situations have changed just because of the way, you know, wins and losses affect a lot. Right. And so even the tweets that I send, you know, in game from Indiana basketball, the vibe is different depending on how the game goes. Right. Like I'm a big stickler on and I'm going to give away some of my secrets, always posting the final score. Mm-hmm. And whether we get criticized or not, and anybody who goes and looks at a final, doesn't matter if we lose, how bad we lose, we can lose by one point, there will always be negative comments on the final score. And so my own personal philosophy is you have to post the final score. And the game is over. Just because the game is over, just because we lost, doesn't mean we're going to stop and give it up and never post again. Like we're going to show up and go to practice tomorrow, you know? And yeah. so... Big stickler on posting the final score. Um, but the way that you tweet a game when it's not going your way changes, you know? And I think that's the same of a social media philosophy in season for coaches, for the main account, whatever account it is related to a program, your philosophy and the way that you approach social media is going to be different depending on how your season goes because the backlash or the response that you get from fans is going to be different, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, I don't think, you know, the last coaching staff was anti-Twitter or anti-social media. It was just, you know, the way that the program was going at the time kind of dictated the way that they could approach it. That makes sense. I guess everything's everything's fresh when you're in the, the honeymoon phase with a new staff. So <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can just go. Um, let's talk about name image likeness stuff, because this is it's obviously huge. It's obviously going to impact, you know, your position and and everything that goes on. Can you give us first just what the status is of name image likeness? Because to my understanding, there's several states that have already approved this. You know, the NCAA has not, you know, issued any blanket legislation. The federal government hasn't yet issued any blanket legislation. Indiana isn't yet one of the states, to my knowledge, that has approved this. 
but we know that Indiana is preparing for this and ready to get out in front of it. So where does that stand? And are you guys waiting for anything to actually get moving with it? Like kind of where does that stand and what are your expectations for how that's going to go over the next three, six, 12 months? Yeah. So I will tell you, I've been tracking on this since I was an NCAA intern. So all the way back in 13, 14, I believe that was when the NCAA football game got pulled. Um, it was during the O'Bannon oh, yeah. trial case thing. And so I've been tracking this for a while and we, we've kind of known, uh, those of us in college athletics have just kind of known that something was going to happen. We didn't know what, but we knew motion was happening. Um, and so, yes, Indiana, the state, um, doesn't have any legislation on the books. It almost seems like they're not even talking about it. It's not really on their radar. So there are other states, Florida being, I think, the first um, who've passed legislation. And on July 1st, the game changes for the athletes in Florida. They're able to kind of earn based on their name, image, and likeness. Um, the NCAA was talking about legislation they've been for years. Um, they were actually, I believe, supposed to vote this past January on some legislation and they decided to table it indefinitely. So thanks, NCAA. Like, yeah. <laughs> it seems like they are waiting um, for the US government to kind of make their decision because they knew whatever they decided, the US government would ultimately trump, you know, whatever the NCAA decided. So um kick the can down the road. Now we are kind of waiting on the US government to uh Passed something. I, I believe last I heard, and this might not be right, there were a couple um, legislation, legislative things that they were talking about or discussing. It might just be down to one right now, but um, that is still very much in motion. That is still very much happening. I believe they're discussing it either this week or next in a committee. Um, and so that's happening. Um, but basically, uh, the state of Florida, and there are a couple other states. You know, when July 1st hits, the game is changed for them. So the big thing, too, is that if the game is changed in the state of Florida, how can the NCAA, um, you know, enforce their rules, right? Like if athletes in Florida can earn money, but athletes in Indiana can't, how do you decide to punish the athletes in Indiana versus the athletes in Florida? So there's still a lot of movement happening, a lot of conversation, but I say all of that to say um, Indiana University Athletics has been prepping and, and making moves to um, have the best solution for our athletes for a while now. Um, we've been with this company, it's called Open Doors. Mm -hmm. You guys uh, don't follow them on Twitter, all of our listeners, you should definitely go check out the Open Doors Twitter account. Um, we've been partners with them since 2017. Um, and at first we partnered with them so they could help us kind of get different messages to our alumni that quickly changed and they got the approval from the NCAA to use it for current student athletes. So um, for a while now, we've been using it to kind of pump out and, and share content with our athletes. We really um, signed a pretty big contract with them about a year ago at this time, I think. Um, and so we are, and I, we are open doors ready partners, which um, is something that will benefit all of our student athletes, 24 sports, one team at Indiana, as we like to say. And mm -hmm. so we are basically providing brand building solutions and content for all of our teams and programs here at Indiana. So every athlete, and we have all of the ones from this past school year onboarded to our program, they all get open door social media assessments. So they can basically go on and look um, at this time, uh, how their social media kind of measures up. You know, there are things in there that um, they kind of give them suggestions on what they can change or how they can best utilize their platforms, what day of the week is the best time to post, what time of the day is the best time to post. Um, and through that platform, we're sharing the content that we create in the Cuban Center with the student athletes. So everybody gets their picture taken, they get all the pictures that they are in. That is a big change because prior to 2017, we were taking a bunch of pictures and they weren't really getting them. They were just kind of sitting on our servers for our use. Um, that was a really long answer to your question. So I'll let you, I'll let you jump back in because I'm running off. <laughs> no, it's great. No, that, that's exactly why I asked the question. So if, if my understanding is correct, so like, you know, let's take a, you know, a basketball player. So like you guys are creating these videos for them and Andrew kind of explained this and then through open doors, right? Like, like a, a player can kind of log in and they've got all this different 
these different videos and pictures there that they can post, like kind of at a click, right? And it'll go to their Twitter account. So it makes it easy for you guys to create the the videos, the pictures, and they can get to them easily. You know, so when, you know, like last year, I remember, you know, Anthony Leal, you know, tweeted out a video after one of the games. So that was basically that video was created. He can just log in, boom, click, and then it posts. So it makes it easier for them to get that stuff out there using their own platforms. Is that? Yeah, 100%. Okay. We all, uh, we operate through this app. So there's an app with open doors. They get it on their phone. And so there's kind of two ways we can do it. There's basically a Dropbox. So we can just drop the, when we get the content, we can drop it in there and then they can go find it when they want it. Or um, we can suggest posts to them. So the Leo post that you're talking about, um, we got a great, I think it was the first game that he played in. Um, we got a great little shot of him. I think he made a basket. We clipped that up, put some music on it. I was able to suggest it to Anthony post game and say, hey, you should post this. And then he did. So um, it's it's a great tool, I think, for us, but also for our athletes to be able to have regular content. Because before, you know, before 2017, like I said, it was just we, were, we had content, but it was just kind of sitting there and they, yeah. they weren't seeing it. They weren't using it. So now they can use it to their advantage. When you create a video like that, does it for the most part get posted or are there times when you create this great video, but a guy's like, nah, you know, or just doesn't, doesn't follow up and doesn't do anything with it. I would say nine out of 10, they get posted. Um, especially now, you know, we've recently started in the last year having content meetings with our athletes. So we're literally sitting down and talking to them and saying, Hey, what do you want to see in these videos? What kind of music do you like? Is there a particular artist that you want us to pull and put on your highlight? Are you looking for a highlight reel at the end of the season or do you want stuff clipped up when we get it? Um, do you want highlight plays or do you want things that show your personality? And so because we're working so closely with these athletes to come up with the content that we're giving them, they're going to post it because it's what they want. What an amazing resource. Like just hearing you talk about this. I mean, if you're a player... It's like you have your own marketing agency like right there helping you go through this stuff, which is incredibly valuable. I mean, that's a, it's amazing. Yeah, that's that's one of our goals, really. And and the way that we kind of advertise it or, or tell them, it's like we are professionals in this space. We know what good videos are. We know what good photos are. We know what good social media looks like. And we want to help you position yourself in the best way possible, because whether you're going pro or you're going to, you know, go be a realtor or be a teacher, any of these tools in the digital space that we have can help you get where you want to go. So social media is awesome and it does many great things, but there is also a flip side to social media. And I'm curious, and you guys said that you have these kind of branding meetings with the players. What other education are players and even coaches getting on how to use social media, the do's and don'ts, you know, the good stuff, the bad stuff, how, how much of that is happening? I've met with every team. Um, uh, and this is, this is, I don't want to say it's super new because the education used to live more in what's called the excellence Academy here at Indiana athletics. But, um, I can say, speak for myself that in the last year I met with every single team, we talk about branding, we talk about positioning. Um, we talk about how their representation of the university, the athletic department, Adidas, and then themselves, you know, you're part of something bigger than yourself is what we always say. And so, um, you know, we're educating them, hopefully before issues arise. Um, And then really those student athlete assessments that I talked about earlier help them. It actually scans a lot of their social posts. So if something is a questionable word, and it's not just like the worst cuss words you can think of, like if you say, damn, it'll flag it. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it flags different things and says, hey, like, you might want to rethink this. You might want to delete it. You might want to take care of it. So we're trying to really get out in the front and in, in front of things um, before, you know, hopefully there are no issues, but before issues arise, um, we're trying to educate our student athletes in a proactive way. You know, college coaches often joke, you know, that they, they kind of live in fear of that, you know, 2 a.m. phone call because someone's gotten in trouble or someone's done something. Do you, as the person who's in charge of the social media, like, do you live in fear at all of like something's 100%. going viral? <laughs> yeah. Yes. When I, and, and I keep talking about North Carolina, but when I worked in North Carolina, I experienced, we did an NCAA issue. I had a couple, Stuart Scott passed away, you know, yeah. Bill Brokerage, Dean Smith passed away. So I've experienced it all. And yeah. so I'm just, I don't put my phone on do not disturb because like something might happen. So 
the nature, the life of a social media person is just being on call all the time. <laughs> yeah. When you, you know, when you kind of try to educate the, the, the guys and girls on the landmines that can be there, what are some of the main ones that you're trying to help them avoid? Oh, the, the latest one now is like getting hacked and really it's like getting fished. So it's like when they, and I know we've all seen it, like the weird Ray-Bans posts that like take over people's accounts. Like mm -hmm. if somebody sends you a link, don't click on it. Like that's no. just like the rule of thumb. And so <laughs> that's the biggest one is like, if you get hacked, call me right away. Like get in touch with me right away. I've had from, I feel like whatever program you mentioned, people have been hacked. And I'm like, I will help you get your account back. Like, don't pay them money. That's happened before. Don't pay them money. Mm -hmm. Don't make a new account. Like, just get in touch with me. We'll get it back. It might take longer than you want it to take, but um, get in touch with me and we we will do our best to get your account back. That's, that's the biggest landmine right now is hacking. So, okay. <laughs> so how much does hacking actually happen? Because a lot of times you'll see you know, a tweet gets sent that maybe someone regrets or that kind of causes a stir. They delete it and they say they got hacked. And everybody's like, all right, sure, you got hacked. Right. So like how often is, is the hacking actually real? Is that is that really happening more than we think? And how often is that a convenient excuse for words that you regret? I don't think it happens as often as people say <laughs> it does. Um, and really, uh, if you are a big personality and you get hacked, there should probably be another account that verifies like so-and-so got hacked. Don't, you know, don't believe everything you see. But um, yeah, yeah, half the time when like these big celebrities come out and say they got hacked because they tweeted something crazy, I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> so, okay, so getting back to the name image likeness stuff, what are you anticipating and what is your involvement going to be, you know, beyond just posting stuff? Right. Because, you know, like the big thing that we always used to talk about when Yogi Ferrell was here was it's like, you know, why shouldn't Yogi Ferrell be able to get an endorsement deal with Yogi's? You know, it's like it sounds perfect. And it sounds like those kinds of things will be available to guys. So what what will kind of your role be in helping to facilitate that, if at all? Or will it just be, OK, you know, this company's going to do this and, you know, you're just kind of putting the content out. Do you know how all that's going to work yet? It's not set in stone yet because, you know, the legislation isn't finalized, but it sounds more and more like our involvement as an athletic department will have to be very high level. Um, we're not able to kind of broker deals or anything like that. Um, it sounds like they will be able to get managers or agents who can help them kind of secure different deals. Mm -hmm. As far as like my role in the athletic department, it'll be more so education. Education and then providing the content that we do right now. But as far as like outside deals, it sounds like they're not even going to be able to use, like if we, if I send Trace Jackson Davis a photo of himself making a dunk, he can't take that and turn around and give it to, you know, an organization who wants to show him wearing the Indiana uniform, making a dunk. Like it, everything has to be kind of removed from our brand. Uh -huh. um, but okay. we are able to help these athletes position themselves in a good light to make endorsement deals. So that's okay. kind of the loophole. <laughs> All right. So it won't necessarily be like, okay, a player gets a deal with car dealership X or whatever. And then car dealership X like contracts you guys to like create the video and do all this stuff. But they might, they might send you content or he could, he'd be able to upload his content, but it's not going to be, you guys aren't going to have like, you know, basically like a, an agency that's like creating all this content for guys. Right. from that standpoint. We have okay. to, Yeah. We have to be removed from anything related to, these extra deals, um, that's kind of a conflict of interest. So we can't help with that. But, and that's one of the things that we're really telling our athletes now, right now you can't earn any money. Like do not sign a contract, do not cash a check, don't do any of this stuff. But what you can do is utilize the Indiana brand and the brand that you're building for yourself to stack followers so that one day you'll be able to say, I have a thousand more followers than I had last year. Pay me more than you would have paid me last year. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I think it's it's pretty obvious what the benefits of name image likeness are going to be. And I think a lot of us, you know, even who, you know, like are more traditionalists kind of see like how it's fair for the players and the good parts about it. What worries you about it? Like what what misgivings do you have about it and what the maybe the unintended consequences could be? 
Wow. Um, I'm worried about agents calling me and telling me you need to tweet more about my guy in game. You're not tweeting <laughs> enough about my athlete and I need you to tweet more about him. So more people follow him so he can make more money or sign better deals. That's really selfish as a social media person who live tweets a bunch of games, but um, that's my kind of biggest worry. I think, um, you know, we hear all these like wild, wild west stories about like, so-and-so is going to be able to do this and this is going to be wild and he's going to be a millionaire and not want to come to practice and not want to do, you know, media interviews. And I really think um, there, there is a possibility for that, but I think that's for a very small percentage of people. I think more so this will help, you know, the athlete who wants to go back to their hometown and get a free sandwich for like hanging out and posting about how they're at the local restaurant or, you know, somebody who wants to run their own camp and use their own likeness to run their own camp when they're back home for the summer and make a couple hundred dollars. Right. Like, I don't think this is going to be some huge, everybody's a millionaire, you know, type of thing there will be a couple kids who get rich quick but i think for the most part it's it's just going to make you know a lot of our student athletes be able to utilize their own presence just like any regular student does right like right now um we have a rower who is a really awesome youtube channel she can't make monetized dollars off of ads on her youtube channel just like any other student you know walking around the campus can but when this rule changes likely she'll be able to, you know, make a couple bucks off of these great videos that she's producing. And so I'm really excited for opportunities like that, opportunities for kids to just, you know, have a little bit of money, you know, have a little bit of free food, maybe some perks, but but that's what I'm I'm most anticipating and most excited for. Man, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, the way that I feel like it's going to be looked at is there probably are going to be like, some high profile things that happen at big schools where a guy makes a lot of money. And then maybe there's a story we hear about players were jealous because this guy got, you know, thousands of dollars for this deal and like all this stuff. And people are going to look at that and be like, see, that's why this is wrong. But you know, that's, it's, it's kind of like the tip of an iceberg. Right. And then you like, you look down below and it's like, yeah, but what makes this right is that like someone like the rower that you said, who's got a YouTube channel who should be able to put ads if the people running a post-game show about the teams can put ads on the YouTube channel, the players should certainly be able to do it, right? And earn a little bit of money or earn the free sandwich like you talked about. And that's where the fairness comes in, you know? And so I think there's going to be, like you said, so many more stories of that than the big kind of high-profile high ones, even though those are going to be the ones that get all the attention. Yeah. But I guess yeah. that's that's kind of how it goes in college sports <laughs> somewhat. So, so. So just to go back to what we talked about with the dates. So basically, you know, this is going to happen for Florida and some of these other states, maybe July 1st, but we're just in a holding pattern until we get more, more clarity on what can be done. Yep. <laughs> just waiting it out. <laughs> just waiting it out. Okay. But everybody's, you guys are ready. The infrastructure is built. Things are ready to go. Yes. What? So we talked about some of the guidance that you give players and, and you talked also about you know, the system that kind of looks through and kind of alerts them if they're putting a word in there that maybe they shouldn't. Is there any other type of approval process that, that guys go through when they want to send something out? I mean, obviously, coaches, I'm sure, have varying levels of control that they want over all this stuff. Coaches tend to be control freaks, and so I'm sure they have much less control than they want. But are there department-wide guidelines or team-wide guidelines that guys have for, or you know, guys and the women who play for stuff they can tweet that they need to get approved? Any anything like that? At Indiana, I feel like we're pretty loose with it. You know, there's like the general like don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass the team, you're part of something bigger than yourself. You know, think of, you know, would your grandma appreciate reading this on Twitter? But <laughs> other than than things like that, we don't really have, you know, you've heard other football programs say, you know, no tweeting during the season or anything like that. We we don't really have any policies like that here. Um, and I'm really glad we don't because how do I, you know, justify, you know, being smart, utilizing this tool, you know, when you're in the quote unquote real world, you're going to have to use your better judgment. You know, this is, this is a learning experience like college is supposed to be. So we don't have any, you know, you can't tweet that or I got to read your tweet before you send it type things. But 
we, we pretty much trust them and try to educate them ahead of time. You know, you got to be careful with the grandma example because the Indiana basketball program especially has some grandmas that are intense. And they, the grandmas probably need to be kept away from Twitter. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> uh, hey, we got some of those grandmas listen to the show. They know what I'm talking about. That's okay. They're, they're, they're proud of it. Um, metrics wise, what do you look at and what do the players look at to, you know, to kind of know if this is working? Like I saw the football program, you know, sent out a tweet. I think maybe it was last week, how they led the big 10 and something. I'm going to forget what the metric was something. I don't know, you know, impressions per tweet or something. It was awesome. I mean, for Indiana to lead the big 10 in anything in football that has to do with like online excitement is crazy. So you know, what kind of metrics do you look at and what are the ones that when you see them, you're like, yes, we are on the right track. I like to pull engagement. You know, that's, that's kind of a bigger, it's not just retweets, you know, it's, it's a number of people who reply to us or like our tweet or click on the link or, you know, retweets are in there too. Um, so engagement's the big one for me. You know, everybody likes to look at retweets and all that, and that matters, but to me, I just want to know who's engaging with our stuff. It doesn't matter how. I just want to know that you're paying attention to us. So, yeah, we had a really great year for football, uh, <laughs> which was awesome. I think, um, you know, it was a it was kind of a hard year to work in college athletics. And, and so, you know, being able to kind of capitalize not only on our successful play, but our successful social strategy and, and you know, be a well-oiled machine in the middle of a pandemic, I think really helped. Um, our success with football kind of helped us catapult our strategy for our other sports. So like the content team idea really came out of what we did for football this fall or this past fall. Um, you know, we were really limited to the amount of people that, that could cover the team. Um, during fall camp, we were limited to the full-time photographer, the full-time videographer, the full-time social person being myself from the Cuban Center. So Usually we would send out a huge team. I was guilty of taking at least three interns to football practice on a regular basis, <laughs> but we were limited to three people total. So a small, well-oiled machine we were. And so then we kind of rolled that out for all of our other sports. Um, and we had testing protocols just like the athletes too. So, you know, shout out to our interns who would wake up early to go test to make sure they didn't have COVID and then be able to kind of do their work. Um, and so, you know, it was out of necessity, we were a smaller team, but we were able to capitalize off of a good year. So engagement is huge to us. Um, it was, it's really funny to me though, because, you know, coach Allen's Twitter account had a, a, an even bigger year than the Indiana football accounts. And, um, I always think like, what would it be like from the Indiana football account if we took all those videos and didn't give them the coach Allen? If we took all those videos and only put them on Indiana football, our numbers would be even more through the roof from the Indiana football accounts. But the fact that we kind of spread the love out, gave Coach Allen his messages, gave the athletes their messages, we were able to kind of win on social media across the board, not just from the Indiana football account. Yeah, I mean, Coach Allen just wears his love for IU on his sleeve, you know, so promoting him, it's not like he's one of those coaches that is stopping by and has one foot out the door and looking at the next job. You know, it's, he's, he's the kind of guy that you feel like you can really do that with. I would feel like. Yes. What? So, you know, this podcast is obviously for, for IU fans and you get a chance obviously to, to see so much of what IU fans post and to interact, you know, some, you know, but you also see behind the scenes, the impact that social media can have good or bad. You know, I'm sure when guys and girls go on social media, you know, after games and they see positive stuff from fans, it makes them feel good. And when they see the negative stuff, I'm sure, you know, we all wish that they would not open up Twitter on those days, but I'm sure they do as we all do. And you see the negative stuff. And as much as you can say that it doesn't affect you. And, you know, a lot of times the negative stuff hurts worse than the good stuff feels good. If you had the opportunity, and I guess you do have the opportunity right now, to just talk directly to IU fans and basically give them advice on how best to handle social media to make sure that they're being a supportive voice for the program as opposed to you know a voice that is not so supportive, what can fans do? What should fans do on social media to, to help the team that they ostensibly want to support and want to see win? Wow. <laughs> I would, I would say, 
you know, the biggest thing to me is be a fan. You know, you're, you're a fan. You obviously love this brand. You love this team. You love these sports. Um, and don't forget that even when the times are tough, like these are college athletes. A lot of them are, you know, not even in their twenties and their early twenties. Some of them are still teenagers. Um, and so sometimes things don't go the way we plan. Sometimes they don't go the way that we want them to go. Um, but they're still teenagers. They're still, you know, young adults enjoying, you know, playing a sport. And so cheer them on, encourage them, um, push them to be successful. Um, but, you know, be positive. Try to keep it positive. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, you know, the, the adage goes. Uh, and so just be supportive. You know, if somebody's having a bad game, you could still say like they're your favorite player and, and you can't wait till the next game to see them come out, shake it off and, and do better, you know? So keep it positive. <laughs> yeah. Is there, obviously without naming any names or anything, are there any stories that come to mind for you that kind of illustrate the negative impact of social media, you know, where, where maybe you saw it and you can actually kind of draw a direct line where it's like, man, you know, this reaction happened on social media and this player actually played worse because of it or lost their confidence because of it. Like, are there any, are there any actual stories that come to mind that illustrate that? I don't have any specific stories of like a player losing their confidence, but I do know, you know, people read what others have to say. I read it. Um, the athletes read it. The coaches read it. We are not, um, not reading the stuff that you write. And so that, that could be a good or a bad thing that I'm, that I'm making known. Um, and so we are not as removed from things as, as people, I think, sometimes think. Um, I read pretty much everything. So if, if you think that you're writing, if you're mad at a coach and you think you're writing the coach, you're writing me. So <laughs> you're writing me, I'm reading it, and, and I'm reading it. So, um, you know, I, I would say, and that's not just for sports, that's for kind of any, you know, social manager. Um, if you're, you know, if you're unhappy with the way that a restaurant handles their service to you and you're writing their corporate Twitter account, there's a human being reading that who probably doesn't even live in the town where you went to the restaurant. <laughs> so, um, and I think a lot of people might be surprised to kind of hear that said, um, but you really shouldn't be. It's 2021. That's kind of how social media rolls. Like there's a person on the other end of the account. Usually it's not the person that you're mad at. So let's, let's reevaluate. And, and that's not to say like, don't write, don't write me, don't write us. We, I totally love when I get to interact with fans, but just kind of be aware, you know, who you're writing. <laughs> Have you ever, when you're reading this stuff, because obviously fans love to think that they're coaches and love to think that they have better ideas than the coaches. Guilty as charged right here. But <laughs> have, have you ever been compelled to say, wow, that's a good point. Let me take this to the, maybe they should practice free throw shooting. Maybe they should. <laughs> maybe he should play the guy with two fouls in the first half. Look what Assembly Call tweeted. <laughs> I probably, I'm, I'm, now that a lot of people watching this know that I'm the one who runs the account, <laughs> I, I've written people back and said that a couple of, if I get it a lot, I'm like, we'll try that next time. Or let me, <laughs> let me go. My favorite is when people write and they're like, Hey dude. Or like, they think it's a guy running the Twitter account. And I'm like, not a guy, not, not the coach, not playing, not even sitting next to coach. So I can't even be like, Hey, Bob from Twitter says that like, Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, not, not happening. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been a little sassy sometimes in my reply, but sometimes like I get it. Like sometimes it, it deserves a sassy reply though. Sometimes it does. And I try to play my cards, you know, I'm not always sassy. I'm not always, you know, internalizing things, but sometimes if you get me on a good day, you'll get a reply. <laughs> See, now that I know this, I'm just going to go direct to you during games with my thoughts. Just Linnea, why are we doing this? Right. In my DMs. I'm going to be like, I don't know. Yeah. Great yeah. question. Jared, stop. Yeah. I'm like, I thought the same thing. Like, and it's funny sometimes the fan tweet things that I'm thinking. Like, and 
they'll be like, I agree with you, but I can't say. Don't retweet. Don't retweet. Don't retweet. (laughs) Right. So, you know, our fans, and like, I really appreciate it during basketball games. Indiana fans are knowledgeable about basketball. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes when we're getting critical tweets, they're not all wrong. Some of them, but we're not all, they're not all wrong. And so it's like, okay, like, I appreciate you voicing your basketball knowledge, but at the end of the day, I can't run down and tell coach Woodson what play we should run next, you know? So, uh, you know, it is what it is, but I know people like to vent and, and sometimes I don't mind being the reader of the venting. So (laughs) I'm just looking forward to like five, 10 years in the future when we're all watching games and like these spatial environments with virtual reality. So we're actually going to be more like face to face and you'll, you'll actually be saying something to someone's face, even though it's virtually, I think that'll cut down on the vitriol actually. (laughs) I think- and that's how, yeah, when people know, like when they if they saw me, and like I've had this happen, and some people who do this might be listening. When we used to have fans in our games, when we used to have fans, hopefully fans get to come back this year. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. But um, where I sit during basketball games, I sit up on that row where Don Fisher sits. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the very end on the one side, and I'm probably giving away my spot now. But I've had fans sit behind me. And like rows, rows behind me, and then like they they catch on to what I'm doing. They catch mm-hmm. on to my job, and so like at halftime they'll come down and be like, "I know that you're running the Twitter." And I'll be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> so for some people, it is like that environment where like they see what I'm doing and they see that I'm reading. I've had people write me and know that it was me. And I'm like, I can't reply to you as Indiana basketball. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's it's funny. And I just gave away my spot. So now if anybody comes and sees me, come give me a wave and you know who's tweeting games now. But <laughs> Yeah, go go but, say hi. Go say hi to Linnea. Yeah, I've had people sit behind me and talk to me. I've had people say, hey, tweet that. Hey, tweet. Or they're like, you know, so it's, it's funny. And, <laughs> and it happens sometimes, but... <laughs> how do you how do you manage you know you have a personal twitter account and then obviously you've got these team accounts that <clears throat> that you're in charge of it's not like you can just go say anything you want to on your personal twitter account i'm sure you're not going to you know whatever whatever that criticism was right that you're saying like oh i agree with fans it's not like you could just hop off the indiana basketball account and tweet it from your personal account how do you how do you kind of manage that I would say I use my personal account more for like professional development in like the social social media and sports space. That sounds so pretentious, but like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where I kind of engage with other people in my industry. You know, I, I consume other sports teams trends and what they're doing kind of stay up on the business. And so I don't really tweet about Indiana stuff on my own personal Twitter account because partially things like you're saying like I don't want to get into the weeds and work related stuff on my own Twitter account and it's it's easier for me to do that I think because I'm and like this is a weird thing to say but I'm I work at Indiana I'm not an Indiana alum I didn't go to IU I was born in Indiana so I'm from here but where are you from I was born in uh, South Bend but I grew up in Lakeville Indiana which is a very small town in northern Indiana okay (laughs) but Um, so I know Indiana, but I, I'm not an Indiana fan. Like I'm not a lifelong fan. And so I think that makes it easier for me. Um, now, and I don't know if you can see behind me, I'm a Pittsburgh sports fan. That's what Uh it's like Pittsburgh sports. You'll see that on my Twitter account. And like, I, I try to practice what I preach. So I'm not tweeting it at Steelers. Oh, you guys just blew another kick or like, Oh, (laughs) Big Ben's the worst. Like I'm not. Tw- I'm not that would that would really be the height of irony if you're just like you log off the Indiana basketball Twitter account and now you're like angrily tweeting Steelers stuff. Right, right. And so I try to practice what I preach. Um, you know, I'm not one of those people who angry tweets at athletes just because I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think being a bit removed from Indiana sports. Um, And thinking of it more, I guess, as a job or as a business, it's obviously something I enjoy consuming, but I'm not like a diehard fan. That makes it easier to kind of remove myself from certain situations. Yeah. 
Well, we got. I know we have a lot of Steelers fans in our uh, in our audience, so they will be they will certainly be happy to hear that. What um I know we're running up on time, and I want to be respectful of your time. So I, I really appreciate you joining us. What um what is your athletic background? Did you play sports growing up? So I played sports like through high school, like a typical like washed up jock. I played volleyball for a little bit. I threw shot put and discus, that kind of stuff. But um, I went to and this might shock some people. I went to a Division two school in Colorado, so I was really involved. Um, at my high school, I was like a football manager or something. And um, the SID at my Division two school used to work at the paper where I graduated from high school. So like we had that weird common connection. Um, I was looking for a job while I was an undergrad. We had that connection. He hired me and I've worked in sports ever since. So um, went from D2 to being an NCAA intern to being at the University of North Carolina and the University of Indiana. So it's yeah wild, but. <laughs> so one last question for you, you know, it's really interesting to get your perspective that, you know, you were at North Carolina, you were at Indiana, obviously, as you said, two basketball schools kind of operating on different planes over the last couple of decades. You know, North Carolina has been having more success and a higher national profile than Indiana has, but Indiana fans, especially the ones like me who, you know, grew up in when Indiana was, you know, one of the most important basketball programs in the country, we kind of view ourselves on the same level as North Carolina. What have you noticed about the differences or the similarities between the fan bases having worked at North Carolina and, and at Indiana? Oh, they're so similar. And IU fans <laughs> will probably hate me for saying that. <laughs> they're so similar. Um, you know, and I worked at North Carolina the year that my last year there was when they lost to Villanova on the buzzer beater. So mm. not a blaze of glory there. But uh, so um they're very similar, like traditional basketball minded. They know the sport really well. Diehard fans, you know, you know, they're they're raised in it. You're you're a fan when you're born and you never stop being a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could talk about the history of the programs. North Carolina, they love talking about history. And I know that like you mentioned different planes, but to me, you know, the North Carolina fans talk about history as much as the Indiana fans do. So a lot of similarities there. Um, and it was funny because, like, I mean, Roy's retired now, which is so weird to say. But when I was there, they used to criticize Roy so much. Like, they would get they would get on him about not using his timeouts. He never did anything good enough. Like, every all the criticism was about Roy. And in my mind, I was always like, who would you trade him for? Yeah. Like who? So anybody that you'd rather be the coach? Like, no, you just are annoyed with what you have. And so um, they were just as kind of driven to win, I think, as Indiana fans are. Like Indiana fans are like excited for the next game, excited for the next season, ready to see what we're doing, always up on what's going on with the program. And North Carolina fans were the same. So the the competitive interests are 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 very similar and if when i started at indiana um that year we played north carolina in assembly hall and beat them and i think that was the year north carolina went on to win the national championship so that season that year was great for me so i've been all in on indiana basketball you know before starting here but like you know that really helped kind of put my two basketball school fandoms together yeah (laughs) So last question for you, where's the best place for folks to connect with you? And then what are, you know, the, the, I, I think everybody knows kind of the main IU accounts. Are, is there anything that you guys are doing on social media that maybe not a lot of people know about that you want to promote that people need to know is happening? Oh, um, I would say, well, one, my handle is my name. So Linnea Phillips, uh, check that out. That's my Twitter. I'll put that um, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and, I would say, like, the account that a lot of people don't follow that I wish more people kind of took an interest in was the Cuban Center account, and mm. it's at Cuban Center. Um, I run it. Surprise, surprise. But um, we talk a lot about... How do you about- keep all these accounts straight? <laughs> I have, like, 20 Twitter accounts on my phone. That's ridiculous. But, um, okay, have you ever sent out a tweet from the wrong account and then had to, like, quickly delete it before... 
Because I've done, I managed like four different accounts and I've done that before. Not lately, but Twitter's gotten better at like letting you know what account you're on when you're tweet. I tweet literally from the Twitter app. Like other people like use other like, no, literally the Twitter app is what I use. Yeah. Um, and they're good about letting you know what account you're on, but like it used to be bad. And like I used to tweet from the wrong account all the time, but not, not lately. Good. Um, but tw- follow the Cupid Center Twitter account. We I post a lot about the behind the scenes, how we get to certain projects or how certain projects kind of come to fruition. Um, we do a lot of like retweeting about NIL related things. Um, you know, the different happenings in our department. I try to share the love between the other content creators in our department too. So you'll see a lot of retweets of my colleagues. Um, and we, we really try to shine a light on the different projects we're doing and, and what's going on in, in the Cuban Center space. So give that account some love. That would be much appreciated. <laughs> By the way, I love your Twitter banner picture, which is you, like you're kind of sitting up in the up in the row where you're talking about earlier. And then you're, you're kind of in the background. There's a computer kind of obscuring your face. And then in the foreground is this IU fan with his arms up, like screaming, upset yeah. something. I hope he listens <laughs> to this podcast and makes himself known because I don't know who that guy is, but I love when I saw that picture, I'm like, that's the one. That's it. <laughs> it's awesome. And who knows? He, he's probably yelling at a ref, but the way his body's turned, he also might be yelling at the IU bench too. We're not, not quite sure. So if you so go to to Linnea's Twitter, Linnea Phillips, look at that. And if you can identify this person, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. <laughs> Linnea, this was awesome. I really appreciate you giving us so much insight on what goes on. This is probably something that for a lot of IU fans, especially a lot of older IU fans, that never thought they would be paying attention to, never wanted to pay attention to. But I think everybody's kind of coming around to the fact that this is a big part of college sports. And so it's really, it's so useful to kind of know what goes on behind the scenes. And you guys are doing a great job. You really are. So we really just, I'm so impressed with the work that you guys put out. So keep, keep up the good work. It's been awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me and uh, go IU. Absolutely. Go Hoosiers. Linnea, thank you. I like everything about that. Hey, this looks cool. Workouts while you work in. Free trial. Sure. I'll click here. My birthday for a matching playlist. That's fun. It's easy to be unsafe online. My mother's made a name for a water bottle. Sweet. Now it's easy to help protect yourself. Norton 360 with LifeLock gives you device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection all in one. Opt in to cyber safety. Save 25% or more off your first year at norton.com news. Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today.